Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. I want to thank my sponsors, Topps, Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins & Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So here's uh, an episode for your listening enjoyment. Dr. Beckett, I look at you as a mentor and a friend and somebody who's been very generous with me, very similar to my dad, somebody who's always generous and kind and supportive. So your dad, and then you, and then your kids, can you share your favorite memories or wisdom or things you've learned as a father and then also as a son? Let me mainly do the father thing because my dad is still around. He's 96 and a half. My mom is 96 and a half as well. My in-laws are 95. So I've got good stock, guys. But what I've realized is that my understanding of them and my appreciation of them has evolved, changed, and grown. In other words, I've seen more aspects of wisdom from my parents. Each decade, I get a little different dimension of something that they stood for in their character that I think, hey, I want to be like that. So I never really thought of my dad and mom as mentors. But of course, every parent is like a mentor. It's the first mentor that you have. It's not your first grade teacher. There's a whole bunch of things that happen before you get to first grade. So I think that's the main thing I'd want to say. It's a moving target. It's a moving target that your dad is not trying to stand still. He's still being an example for you of perseverance. And I don't know that he's doing it for you, but take seriously the aspect that he's your dad and he wants to be the best dad he can be. I want to be the best dad I can be. And for my own dad, since I'm getting extended years with him, I want to be the best son I can be. There's a little bit of role reversal sometimes when my dad was way stronger than me when I'm a little boy and then you catch up. And then when they get older, you pass them up and there's a division of labor, but the respect increases. So I'm hoping that everybody listening has that too. It's not true that you can't teach an old dog new tricks because that old dog has the ability to change when he or she wants to. And so Bob is going to be an inspiration to a lot of people by the way he's handling this situation. You don't know why that happens. You got to deal with what you have. And so he's going to be a great example. I want to be a great example. I don't want to get cancer to be the great example. I'm not saying that, but my heart attack was a life-changing thing. Okay, Bob, your turn. I was going to ask you, how long have you been doing the cards? What were you doing before you even got into it? Were you like a young kid or were you in the garden? You found that shoebox somewhere full of cards, huh? Actually, my dad had cards when I was uh, 10 years old at Christmas. And my grandmother, we were having Christmas at my grandparents, my dad's parents. And my grandmother went up in the attic and brought down a box of cards and said, you're interested in cards of all the grandkids. Here they are. These are your dad's cards from the 30s and the 40s. So that was nice. And that really impacted me because I didn't know there were cards. I just was a kid. Hmm. Now, that summer, I traded a few of them to a guy in the neighborhood that took advantage of me, a little bit older guy. Absolutely. (laughs) Sometimes you learn from your mistakes. My goal is to learn from other people's mistakes, but I've learned from some of my own mistakes too. So Nice. Okay, my question, what do you think is the main thing that you guys have in common besides the same last name? I like to hunt and fish, and Jordan, not. 
everybody's got this different personality and all three of my sons were different. There's little bits and pieces that were the same. And one of them is our drive, desire to excel, to do good, to win. And sports, I coached him when he was in Little League. And that was a big time for me, was just spending that time with the boys. Next thing, there's all these other kids on the team, they're like your kids. So that's been a good ride. And Jordan, I think he learned a lot from that, from me coaching him. Yeah, your dad, little man, battle at home. But then when we were doing sports, it was like, he was like a whole different person because he was like just one of the other kids now. I think that was a good lesson for him to learn that, uh, geez, how come my dad's treating that kid over there better than me? But that's how I rolled. And so I think that's rubbed off on him. So I'm proud of that in a way. uh, Yeah, I would say our competitive nature. Our mindset in when there's a task, we're going to do it. We put our mind to it. He gave me that work ethic and really being a man of your word. That's something that's very important to us. When you do what you say you're going to do, that's very important. I think our leadership, he was a great coach, the best coach I ever had. And it's not even close. He's the Phil Jackson and his leadership, his ability to work with people. And I would say our temper, we're on your team until you, until you you wrong us. But (laughs) the thing is we're loyal. Family is everything to us. And that's what we have in common. But uh, there's a reason we get along. we may not have went hunting or fishing together too much, but we uh, went to WrestleMania together. It's the most fun we ever had. And we went and seen some games, like I said, and we don't even collect together. He would drop me off at the shop. He wouldn't come in. Now we get a lot of dads, fathers, and sons at the shop that come in together, but our bond is undeniable. Our loyalty and loyalty to each other. He's, when I'm a a kid, it's all, I'm his little buddy. And and now he's skinny. So he's my little buddy. And you're right. It's reversed and it's become, we're peers now. It's something that we have a great deal of respect for people. Jordan is too busy hunting for baseball cards and and football cards and fishing fishing for them too. It's, he doesn't have time to hunt other things. So maybe that is right. We are both hunters, but of different things. Wildlife for dad and sports cards for me. You can't eat cards though, but that's... (laughs) You can eat the money that you get from them, I think. Okay, Jordan, your turn for me. So Jim, we talked a lot about the hobby and your legacy. And like I said, building our legacy. What have you seen since you started the podcast? What are some of the most fun things you've learned? How has that added to your legacy? I think I've learned that the hobby's even more complicated than I thought. There's so many moving parts. When I had the company and I had all these employees, and we're putting out these magazines, we we're trying to pull everything together to have a monthly presentation of what's going on. But it, it probably was easier in those days. Now there's stuff happening all over the country, every time zone. You can't write it all down. By the time you write it down, it's not obsolete, but it, things change so fast. I'll be on some of these podcasts. They'll say, hey, did you hear about this? And I'm thinking, no, I didn't hear about this. When did that happen? What happened this morning? Okay, I didn't hear about it. So things happen so fast, and that's good. Okay, if the pace quickens and more people get involved, that's good for all of us. But it just means that some of my understanding of the industry 40 years ago when I really got started, it wouldn't be possible to do that anymore, to have that expertise in one person because there's too much to know. But I'm glad I was able to start with just myself and then gradually bootstrap to add some quality employees. But yeah, this is not the same hobby that I experienced as a kid or that I experienced in my 30s or 50s or whatever. It's way more dynamic, way more complicated, and probably way more lucrative too. Not for me, but for people that really work it, 
there's a lot more opportunity to make a living now for people in the industry. Your card shop, I hope, does terrific. And it probably will because you're a promoter. You're going to work it hard. So that's enough for that. Bob, your turn. What is your favorite card that you have? And do you like older cards or the new, the stuff that comes into the shop now is just like crazy stuff. And that's a lot of money floating around, but yeah, just your favorite card that you own. And then just, uh, do you like the older cards, the newer cards? My favorite card is Roberto Clemente, my favorite player growing up. And so I've got an autographed rookie card of Roberto Clemente. I don't even care what it's worth. It's not for sale. I have other cards that are not for sale. I had somebody ask me the other day, if there was a tornado and it took away all your cards except for 10. What are the 10 cards that you, and I couldn't even think of 10, but there were, but anyway, that'd be one. Certainly my dad had a Gaudi Babe Ruth. I would definitely keep that. Bob, I'm giving my answer away. It's obviously the older cards. Most people want to connect with their youth for whatever reason. Those were simpler days, but the older cards are what I like the most. I dislike any- When guys stop into the shop here and they want to give you the cards or whatever, they'll have like boxes of the old stuff. I'll look at that just like yourself. And so I'm catching your drift. In fact, there's people Jordan's age that are looking for cards in the late 90s or early 2000s to recapture cards they weren't able to obtain in those days. There's a nostalgia aspect and nostalgia means not necessarily a hundred years ago. It means what you or the person perceives as older and gets a good feeling about. Yeah. So definitely the older cards, the shiny stuff, I don't dislike it, but it's pretty <laughs> older stuff. Yeah. Jim, do you have a, this is random, but do you, how many Michael Jordan rookies do you own? One now. Okay. I used to have a whole bunch. Sure. What was the peak number? How many do you have at the peak? I had some unopened boxes. Wow. And I traded them away, gave them away. It's a horrible story. Wow. I didn't even think about it. This was in 88 or 89. You couldn't sell them. Nobody wanted basketball cards. That's a downer. I didn't mean to direct you that way. I would say I could have retired, but I did retire. So I made a number of good decisions. That was not one of them. Okay, my turn. Bob, I think Jordan probably, if I were an athlete, I think he'd be a really outstanding agent. And is that something when he was doing Butker, was that something you encouraged? Did you see, hey, I think my son really has a future in this? Because it's a real dog-eat-dog world there. What was your sense of that when you're watching your son dealing with that situation? He brought it up that he was thinking about it. And he had, like you said earlier, he's just got so many contacts. And I've always been with Jordan and the other boys too. If you got a dream and you want to try something, go for it. And the agency, what do you got to lose? You go and you take the test and if you become one and, well, from there, you still got to contact these athletes. And it's a cutthroat business. And Jordan's finding that out now. Yeah. But at the time, it was a lot of excitement. When he got, nobody wants to take a kicker as a one of their clients. Kickers are people too. Yeah. And then, boom, the guy just skyrocketed. And it was a good run until it is where it is now. But that's just life. It's business. Things come up. Things he's done, I've encouraged him. Going out to New York and the job out there, the agency thing. It was like, that was his family at all. and. That's maybe not a good thing, you know, when you're dealing with these pro athletes because they're pretty young. Now that he has the shop and some other things going on in his life, it's not so important. And he can fall back on it if he wants to. 
So we're still rolling. We got the punches for the Saints and the Steelers and continuing to evolve that. It's something that will evolve and grow. And my biggest thing is being of service on whatever these kids need and these athletes. Jim, you've been around a lot of athletes. They need some love. They need some guidance. They need the ability to lean on somebody to help them navigate the the pretty choppy waters. So you're trying to become a pro athlete, make millions of dollars, kick a football, punt a football, and make your dreams come true. So running parallel on that, it's something my dad has definitely always encouraged me. So are you going to be a kicking specialist as an agent? That's where the universe pushed me. We're going to continue to expand it, but uh, there's been some good inroads there. And a lot of those guys are forgotten at times, which they shouldn't be. They're incredible parts of the team to hit a game winning kick or to reverse the field on a team with a nice punt. It's a bigger part of the game than people think. So I've focused on that, but we're going to continue to expand. And now that the shop has got its legs under us, we're going to continue to grow the NFL side of things. So I'm excited for the future of it. It's a wild business, but it's fun. It's like the hobby. You got ups and downs in the hobby, but if you're persistent, you love it, you care about it, and you care about the people in it, you'll find a way. Well, I knew you'd put a positive spin on it. But the problem with kickers is that they're more known for their misses. They're shanked punts and they're missed extra points and things like that. You could make nine out of 10 or 19 out of 20 or 29 out of 30. But if you miss one, it's off with his head. Yep. Can't be Scott Norwood. You can't be, it's just, oh my goodness. But if you get on a roll, you get a good one. Yeah, we got to go to the Super Bowl. Me and my wife went to the Super Bowl at the Chiefs one. And we are still friends with Bucker and still rolling with the guys we got. And Presley and Blake are incredible athletes and great people. And I love that they become family. And Jim, you've become family to how many hobbyists? You become a mentor and Uncle Jim, as far as I'm concerned. I think you got hundreds of nephews and nieces out there you've mentored and helped. That is the nicest compliment, uh, Jordan, that you didn't call me Grandpa Jim. (laughs) I'll I'll settle for Uncle Jim. That's fine. My good buddy, Uncle Rich Klein, thanks you as well, because we've worked together for a long time too. He's the official uncle of the hobby. I'm trying to sell 1% of my cards a month. So at the end of 100 months or whatever, I'm gradually going to run out. The same thing with my podcast. I'm going to gradually decrease the frequency. My podcast is an opportunity to say things along the way. And to me, that's better. The father-son dynamic that some fathers and sons have is that they don't have conversations until somebody's on a deathbed. And so I'm so glad you guys are working together and developing closeness in this season of life. It's never too late to do that. 